0: Hello, we are the Utility Players. I'm Ali. And I'm Rory. And welcome to our World of Sport. Hello and welcome to the end of Season 2 and, and our bonus content with the uh, end of this season coinciding with the start of the premier league for the 2020 2021 season Uh, we thought it would be good for us to announce the launch of the utility players fantasy football league that we're uh, going to be adopting this year so uh, we hope to have you come and join us and see if your teams can take down either me or Rory with our vast experience and knowledge of fantasy football, Rory, you're a, you're a stalwart. You've been doing it for years, so that's what I'm going to be telling people anyway.
1: <laughs> I actually, I was certainly when I was younger doing it for years, and I actually retired after the twenty. Fifteen, sixteen season, or whenever Leicester won the league, because that was the first year I'd ever won it. I'd won my league amongst my group of friends, and I decided after that that I should retire where I'm on top. So I'm returning, and I'm returning from a period of glory. So hopefully I can keep that going when the end of this season comes.
0: Well, there we go. You've heard it. You've heard it here first. The man to beat is Rory. Get Rory okay. down. So, so yes. So we'll be. Uh, for anyone who has hasn't done fantasy football before and. Uh, we'll be giving you a quick recap of, of how fantasy football works uh, and and the different potential strategies and, and methods. I'm sure there's a lot of experienced people out there. But before we get into that, worth just um, giving thought. We our two cents on how we see the Premier League going this year. And, and Rory, I think you've mentioned a couple of times previously that you think that the Chelsea are the kind of outside uh, favourites in your mind.
1: Yeah, I mean... I think the first thing to says is, I think it's going to be a weird season. It already has a feeling of it's going to be very unconventional. I mean, with obviously coming off the back of this ridiculously short pre-season period and for teams like Man United, who have kind of gone away from European football and then having to go from there, some of their players going on international break over the past week and then from there going back into the new season. Obviously, they've got a week off in the first week of the season, but it's it's not going to be much recovery time for them. Um, And obviously we're going to have this weird situation where we start the season without fans and then fans will slowly kind of probably come in and out of stadiums as the season regresses. And then with the hope that by the end of the season there might be a bit more normality, we might have fans regularly at the games again. But I think there's going to be a whole, it's going to be a weird feel to it. I think that will potentially throw up some weird results. But yeah, certainly looking at this stage, I think Liverpool obviously are the team to beat and will still be the team to beat. And we all, and we've talked previously about how good their starting lineup is, and it's just going to be whether they have the depth. But I think they are there for the taking because of that, like a depth. And I think a team that have really set, strengthened is Chelsea. Now, it'll be what we'll, we'll come to see is whether they'll defensively be good enough because I think they've strengthened a lot in attacking areas, but defensively they've they've obviously got Thiago Silva, but they've not done much more other than that. So that'll be the big thing to see with them, but. I think Liverpool will be the team to beat but Chelsea hot in the hills man you obviously got a lot better as the kind of second half of last season came on and on on the flip side of it are defensively very good so it'll be I think they'll be have a good crack at it as well I think it could be really competitive and I think it'd be really interesting but I've got a slight outside hunch for Chelsea or man u but I still think Liverpool are the team to beat
0: uh, Ben Chilwell was also oh, has moved yes, to Chelsea yes. who I think is actually was their number 1 Improvement they needed to make in that wing back area. It means Aspiliqueta, who who you know never seems to age, um, can move over to the right wing back and rotate with with uh, Rhys James, their their young right right wing back, and then you can sort of cement the left with with Ben Chilwell and Marcus Alonso can can supplement him as needed. I think you're right, Chelsea. They're they're a young cohort, and the team, the players they added are still reasonably young as well, and it's a team that can grow together. Whether it's a season too early for them. Um, I don't know what what the sort of obviously the plans of Frank Lampard and Irma Abramovic are. You know, there's this, there's a culture of winning there, and expectation that every season they they want to win something. But I wonder if if with how they've strengthened this year and, and the way they've strengthened outside Thiago Silva, whether it's a a, a you know a two year project. And the thing that really intrigues me is. Is actually with Man United? Is their defence going to be good enough? What's what's the hangover of the Harry Maguire incident going to be? You know, he's what. He, there's a lot of talk of who his centre back partner is going to be, but there's still the ongoing scenario with with what happened when they hit him on his holiday and, and what that's going to look like. And I say the hangover of that. And it's, it's amazing, you know, we, we've got how many minutes in and talking about the top of the end. Of the, we haven't mentioned Manchester City. You know, <laughs> if, if any team has a style of football, a quality of football to to get ahead of the game with a potential lack of atmosphere in grounds and no fans. It is the style of football that Manchester City have. Uh, this off-season, I've barely heard the name Sergio Aguero mentioned. Yes, he was injured at the back end last year. I'm not entirely sure what his status is right now with injury uh, and how close he is to, to return. But th- this, is, this is one of those prolific goal scorers we've ever seen in the league. And he's not even getting a mention. He seems to be so far under the radar at the moment. And I think I think it won't be long until people start to realise you know, where Man, Man City are at. They've Obviously, their defensive frailties and what they do there is going to be intriguing. What's also going to be really intriguing to me is that... We, so we start this weekend on the beginning of September. The transfer window doesn't close until the end of October. So almost two months into the season we can see signings and pairs being brought in. So you talk about a weird season. That's going to be a weird dynamic as well. A slow start for one of these big teams. So they suddenly throw a heap of money at a player to to try and fix it. And and if everyone starts slow, it those who invest best at the back end of, of the transfer window. I think it's,
1: I think that's a very good point. And I hadn't even thought about that. But I think certainly for a team like Man City as well, that this next period of how they use their money could be a, think it does really throw them back into the conversation. I think you're right. I think they certainly, their style of play does suit the football that's going to be played, certainly over the first kind of few months of the season. But I think well, for me, the, the issue with Man City is they, they just seem to have almost like a, a, I don't know if it's a mental fragility or, or a, 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 as you mentioned, defensive fragility, but there's something there that kind of means they're going to drop points that they shouldn't throughout the season and they will blow teams away consistently and they'll look great for long periods of time but you just don't feel like they have the ruthless streak to go and win 95% of their games and they'll title challenge but that real kind of extra edge to go over the line and, and to win the whole tournament and and maybe it is kind of strengthening at the back that they, they'll they need to do so in, in doing that and we said you've got that transfer period now so they spend the money wisely obviously Messi's now staying at Barcelona so they, they've got that worry of whether they're going to stay Messi kind of off their mind, and maybe that'll be a good thing for them because they'll actually be able to spend their time looking at well, where, where can we spend our money rather than spend their time worrying about getting messy or not. it'll be, it'll be, yeah, it'll be a really interesting one. But um, at the moment, they just seem. Land City seem to be lacking
0: almost like a ruthless streak that you need to win the Premier League. I mean, they they won it you know, twelve months ago with the, with the highest points total ever. I mean, it's it's not. Long ago. I mean, it wasn't that so long ago that they would win it one year have a slump the next, win it the next year, have a slump the next. I, I think in terms of being in a position, you know, lurking in the shadows, they uh, they could be very, very dangerous. Um, I'm, you know, bookies have been favourites, or certainly did when I last saw a couple of weeks ago, a week or so ago, you know, is that too far? Maybe, but I think they're in a in a dangerous position, uh, City, that just slightly under the radar, which seems weird, a weird thing to say, but You're right, they they did drop points they shouldn't have dropped last year. And and talking of dropping points, the other end of the table, in terms of relegation, is it going to be those who come up come straight back down? Uh, We have Bielsa and what he's doing at Leeds. Is that going to brand a football? We hear in the media, players and coaches who have worked under him rave about this incredible, talented coach that he is. Is that going to be enough? And, And my kind of sneaky outside not hunch, but but kind of musing or kind of thought might be is, I I'm I, I might be putting some money on Sheffield United to go down. You know what what a job oh, Sheffield what a job oh, Sheffield oh. Sheffield United last year were you know sorry Jurgen Klopp Chris Wilder should have got coach of the year. He just should have done. You know, and it's so easy just to give it to whoever wins the Premier League. But what well, the job that Chris Wilder did from the, from them being promoted the previous season and then finish where they did. And they would, I, I'm convinced they would have finished higher if it hadn't been for the break in, in football. But there is a team that's only been in the Premier League one year. There, you know, and how many times do we see teams come up? You know, it, it takes a couple of years to cement yourself. And uh, and I'm not entirely, you know, I'm sure Chris Wilder, he's, he's a certainly a good enough man-manager but the scenes in coach. But I have just a feeling about me that, that yeah, as brilliant as they were, there's still, you know, they still have to prove to me that they're cemented in as a as a Premier League side.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you first said, that, I was like, no, surely not. But I do get what you're saying that you do see a lot of times teams coming up a very good first season, but then the kind of longevity of being in the Premier League catch up to them, and then they they kind of don't meet those expectations again. So I think, yeah, they, they may well not do as well as they done last year, and that'd be very difficult to do because they did have such a good season last year. I mean, we're pushing on Europe for a lot of the season. But I still think they'll have enough to stay up. I don't think they'll be be relegated. But you're right, I think maybe not reach the heights of the last year. But then again, you could have said about Wolves at the start of last year. And the Wolves came out and had another brilliant season. And if it wasn't for Arsenal winning the FA Cup, would have been back in the Europa League for another year and actually did very well in the Europa League as well. So maybe it'll be a, a similar case for Sheffield United. We'll have to wait and see. I think everything I've heard about Leeds is about how great Bielsa is and they've looked very good to get up. So I'd like to think that Leeds will stay up. And I think Anyone who's not a maybe a Man United fan or, a, or maybe a, a Northern football fan will want Leeds to stay up because of what they offered to the Premier League and because of their history. I also really fancy Fulham to stay up. I, I backed them early in the playoffs. and I think what Scott Parker has done there is built a winning team that just knows how to win. They know how to play smart. They know how to win difficult, tough games. And they went into the playoffs and championship. I know it's not the Premier League level, but against teams that were expected to beat them and, and just did a job in every team they played. And I think Scott Parker's done a really brilliant job with that film. And he's the sort of person I can see having the kind of wildness and the kind of creativity and the football brain to set that Fulham team up to make them difficult to beat in the Premier League. So I, I think they'll do a good job. West West Brom is probably the interesting one. I think out of all the teams that come up because, Maybe out of all the teams that came up they snuck under the radar because they weren't they were that second place, they weren't the champions and they didn't come through the kind of the the drama of the playoffs. And I think with West Brom you never quite know what to get because they've got so much Premier League experience, but almost so much baggage with the Premier League, it's it's maybe hard for them to really kind of maybe have the same confidence that the other teams will have. I don't know. But it said it'll be interesting to see how those promoted teams do.
0: It will and and what will also be interesting is as West Brom and Leeds make their long awaited turn return back to uh, the Premier League, we have the long awaited return of Rory back to uh, fantasy football. So moving on to the fantasy football side of things, just to give a bit of a uh, understanding for those who may not have done fantasy football before, uh, how this works. We are using the official uh, fantasy football uh, software. There's an app you can download or just Google uh, fantasy football Premier League uh, and it and it will come up. Uh, what happens within this particular uh, software is you pick a squad of players. You have to pick two goalkeepers. You have to pick five defenders. You pick five midfielders and three forwards, a squad of 15. Uh, within that, you pick a starting 11 that has to have, obviously, a goalkeeper, a minimum of three defenders. And then apart from that, you can have any formation of the starting 11 that that you would like. Uh, you then have a spare goalkeeper on your bench and three additional substitutes on your bench those bench players will not get any points for you unless a player in your starting 11 doesn't appear and doesn't play for their team over the course of a game week Uh, so say for example I had uh, Alexander Lacazette and I had him up front in my team and he was on the bench for Arsenal and then didn't come on and didn't make an appearance then my first substitute would come on uh, if my first substitute was a defender it would come on if my first substitute was a a a, a midfielder come on it's not necessarily a like for like replacement for the position on the pitch they play the only uh difference to that is as i said you have to have a minimum of 3 defenders playing so if it is a if one of your defenders you only got 3 defenders in your starting 11 if one of your defenders doesn't play and your first substitute on the bench is a midfielder and your second substitute on your bench is a defender. Then the defender would come on off the off the second bench slot, not the first one, because you have to have a minimum of three. So that's how you, that's how the setup works in terms of points. You get a, a point uh, for your player making uh, an appearance so if they appear at all. They get one point. Uh, if they play um, sixty minutes or more, they get a second point. They also get points for uh, scoring goals, for assists. Uh, defenders, goalkeepers and midfielders get points for clean sheets. Your players will lose points if they gain a yellow card or a red card. Uh, And also there is for each game, so say West Brom are playing against Sheffield United. uh, From that game, there will be a rating of a best player, a second best player and a third best player. Those players also receive points. It's three points for whoever's deemed to be the best player. Uh, two points for the second-best player and one point for the third-best player. And that's done on a sort of algorithm of, of statistics from the game that uh, the Fantasy Football uh, app has created. If you want to go and delve more deeply into sort of the points allocation, for example, you get more points if a defender scores than you do if a forward scores. You get less points for a clean sheet for a midfielder than you do for a defender, et cetera. It's all on the app or it's all on the website. But as a very basic a description of how uh the platform we're going to use works uh that, that's how it does so uh, without further ado, rory uh, do you want to take us through any your sort of your your goal start with your team or maybe an overall strategy that you potentially have, have gone for
1: I mean, first of all, I'm glad you explained those rules because I learned something there. I didn't realise defenders could get clean sheet points. <laughs> and I didn't realise that you could order the players on your bench in which they came on. I thought it was
0: a like-for-like swap. So I'm glad you explained that. So you didn't know defenders got clean sheet points? <sighs> no, midfielders. Midfielders. Oh. That's well, it. <laughs> well, they, only, they only get a single point. Okay. It's a single post. I think it's four, four points for a clean sheet for a defender, for example. Okay. Well,
1: so I'm glad I learned a wee bit there. And hopefully that will... Maybe change my strategy, but help my strategy throughout the year. So I guess for a general overview, I think the traditional fantasy football when I was younger was always just pick the worst bench possible so you could get the most amount of money to for your starting players. But more old and more wise I've abandoned that ploy. And I've gone for a more balanced squad across the park. And I've I've tried to think of of sometimes, certainly with my defence, more teams that are doing well rather than individual players at times because of, you know... The idea of if the team gets a clean sheet, your defender will get the point for that, etc. But starting with my goalkeepers, kind of on that, I've gone for who will probably be my starting goalkeeper. And I must say that with Man City and Man United not playing this week, it totally threw my team off because I pit, seemed to pick both Man U and Man City players and then also players from the teams they were playing against <laughs> just by chance. on a lot of players who weren't featuring, so I've had to make a few tweaks throughout the team to get at least a starting 11 of players that are going to be playing in this this first game week. Um, But yeah, starting goalkeeper, I've gone for Nick Pope from Burnley. Obviously, Burnley had one of the best defensive records in the league last year, and Nick Pope was a huge part of that. And I'm banking on Burnley to continue that defensive form and for Nick Pope to get lots of clean sheets. So he is lined up to be my starting goalkeeper, especially, obviously, the money side of it is a big thing. He's, He's not quite as expensive as some of the top goalkeepers. So that's why I went for him as a kind of good option, but not the most expensive. And then my second goalkeeper... I've taken a punt. My second goalkeeper is only £4.5 million, which is basically the price of a, of a reserve goalkeeper in a lot of senses. But I think this keeper might start, and that is Emmy Martinez from Arsenal. Obviously, we've seen him come in after Bert Laird got injured and play very, very well and actually start the Community Shield uh, last weekend. So there's a good chance he might get quite a bit of game time for Arsenal in the Premier League, but at reserve keeper prices. So I thought that was a good bit of business to kind of keep the budget down to get started with.
0: Yeah, I mean, my... my... <laughs> theory overall normally is um as an overall strategy is pack your front three. Pack your front three and then sort out the rest. Get your goals in. Especially because modern day football, clean sheets are becoming more and more of a rarity. So uh pack pack your front three and and and, and then work, work backwards. This year, as you'll see, what are my strategies so far, which will no doubt change in the next three or four days, uh, <laughs> is is less so because of the likes of the amount of goals you're seeing from midfield. So this year, the for the fantasy foot, the official fantasy football uh, system has moved people like Pierre-Emerick Abameyang, has moved people like Marcus Rashford, people like Mason Greenwood, uh, previously has and still has Sadio Mane and... Mo Salah as midfielders. Yeah,
1: I noticed that. I thought that was weird. Uh, that
0: threw me out quite a lot, actually. So so with that, uh, you know, and I, I, personally, I think it's a flaw because if you look back over the last three or four seasons with uh, Abameyang and, and Salah have been right up their goals and, and they're, they're both midfielders for some reason and and, and they're not their forward players. And it seems to be you have to be an out-and-out out number nine striker to be seen as a, as a forward in this game, which, which seems a flaw to me uh, because especially the moving to more, more four, three, three or, or four, three, two, one, I should say. But anyway, so in terms of goalkeepers, I've gone for the same strategy I've, I've done the last couple of years, which is get, because of the uh, clean sheets being a rarity is saving money to invest elsewhere. So I've gone for one goalkeeper who is at the cheap, who I think will do. Okay. Uh, although it does go against what I said uh, previously about who might get relegated. And one goalkeeper who I know is not going to play is 4 million, and it's just because I have to have a second one. So I've gone for um, the new Sheffield United goalkeeper (laughs) in Aaron Ramsdale, who's only 5 million. And my reason of thinking that Sheffield United might go down is because I think the lack of goals they've scored. I reckon they probably will still be quite defensively savvy. Um, although I have look at I have look at Mar- Martinez from Arsenal as well, and I'm going back and forth about whether I try and slide him in and take a punt. But by doing that, I'd need to have a backup goalkeeper because because at the moment my other goalkeeper is David Martin, who I'm sure you never heard of, who is a four million from from West Ham, and I expect no point for him to play any game. <laughs> uh, but I have to have a backup goalkeeper, so that's where I'm looking at the goalkeepers uh, in terms of uh, defenders. I've gone for again a similar approach where. Because of the clean sheets being so difficult, I've gone. uh, I do what I normally do, and I go for pick four defenders who I'm going to rotate, and one defender who, again, because I have to have a fifth one, I just pick the cheapest one out there. And again, not expecting a huge amount from them. So my kind of £4 million, because that is the cheapest midfielder, is. Uh, Tyreek Mitchell from Crystal Palace just kind of, up, kind of like the name <laughs> more, more than anything else um so got uh, him in there and then I've gone for um again to save money because I feel goals are going to come from the midfield this year I've gone for no one I have gone for one player at 5.5 million the rest at 4.4 million sorry 4.5 million and I've gone for uh teams that I think as 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 likely as others to get a clean sheet here and there, but also as much as I can gone for wing backs who potentially can provide um help with assists or crosses, or whatever. So my 5.5 is Kieran Tierney, who I think is set up for to play a lot of football for Arsenal this year, either as a left wing back or a left side of a back three. So I think he will play most out of, I think he'll get most games out of Arsenal defenders. And the way that um Arteta has set up that team, I think there could be more clean sheets coming the way of Arsenal. Uh, then I've gone for uh, Justin James, who who's a young young wing back from from Leicester. Again, I think the way that Brendan Rodgers has set them up, uh, and the young t- you know, they're very good at bringing young players through. I think he's got a real good opportunity uh, there. I've gone for now. I don't know how to say this chap's name. Ruben Viagri, Viagri. Go, vi- we'll go with it. We'll who, go with who, it. Who who is. Um, is a wolves wing back, and, and with Johnny, who is the starting wing back on one side, uh, I think left hand side, injured. I think that Viagri, Vagri, he has got an opportunity to to start the season, and he'll be he'll be stepping in for Johnny. So, and if he plays well, then then we'll we'll work out that time. And finally, um, I've gone for um, a Newcastle centre back because Newcastle's first couple of games are actually games they potentially might get. Away with some clean sheets. They're they're away to West Ham and then at home to Brighton. Um and I've gone for Javi Mankilio um as my other one. Again, uh because I'm just looking at the first couple of weeks, first two or three weeks, and thinking who's got a good start? And then by the time we've gotten to week two or three, might have one understanding and maybe be able to make some some transfers to bring some players in and out and, and and make some changes.
1: This is weird. I've kind of gone very similar but also very different in kind of my thought process. So To start with, I've had similar process about you with Sheffield United, but I didn't go for the goalkeeper, I went for the center back, John Egan. So I put him in as a five million defender, who I think will get a lot of clean sheets because Sheffield United are a solid team defensively. And then, like you, the rest are all win backs, kind of in a similar thought process of they'll get the clean sheen points, but they'll also get the assist points. But where one thing I've made a big sort of difference in my thought process is that actually I think, this is a really valuable place to spend money because the way we're seeing football go now is we're seeing more and more assists from fullbacks and fullbacks becoming more important as creative players, but yet they also can still get clean sheet points. So You get kind of a double whammy there. So I've actually taken the big hit of going for the most expensive fullback in Trent Alexander-Arnold because we saw with him being one of the top assisters in the league last year, and also with Liverpool having like, one of the better defensive records, he was actually one of the highest point scorers. But for seven point five million, you're not paying as much as you would for eleven or twelve million pound striker. So I think you're getting potentially as much points as you could do from an attacking player, but for less, for better value for money. That's my thought process. It might go horribly wrong, but that's the way I see it. And then on a similar kind of wing back note, because of their influence of the game, I also went for Kieran Tierney for basically all the reasons you just said, and I think he will be a very popular choice this year for a lot of players for that reason. And I went for Aaron Wan-Bissaka from uh, Man United again for because he was the wing-back option. And I think Man United will have a good season defensively as he did last year. I think that team's just getting better. And I think that I could have... I looked at Lindelof and he was a bit cheaper. And then obviously Maguire was a bit expensive. But I decided that wan being a fullback and with him advancing into wide positions might get you a few more assist points. And then following up, and I don't know if I've doubled up here, but I've gone for another Burnley player in Eric Peters. Um, because of Bernie's good defensive record my only, my only slight worry is Peter does play in a bit of a rotation in that fullback position so he might not get as many games as I would like but I mainly had to throw him in because before that I had Ben Mee in there which is obviously the Burnley captain and ever present in their team last season but he just got injured so I had to quickly make a change and and, and move it around so that's why Peters came into the team so that kind of similar thinking with the fullbacks and not spending big money on a lot of them but I thought Alexander Arnold was worth the expense because of the amount of points he will get, and not being eleven million pounds for that value of points.
0: Yeah, no, I think I I mean Trent Alexander Arnold is owned by over fifty percent of teams. I think it's about fifty-four percent of teams. He's the most owned player in the in the entire game, and uh, and I and I know I am taking very much taking a risk by not having him because weeks he does well and I don't have him over 50% of teams that are going to be moving ahead are going to be moving ahead but the weeks that he doesn't do well because I don't think I personally don't think Liverpool will be as good defensively this year I I I've I've made my 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 thoughts clear on Liverpool that with without the fans and without that high pressing brand of football which allows them to keep clean sheets I don't think they're going to I think they're going to struggle um, to to do that. So I, I, that's my just my personal thing and why I'm taking a punt at the moment. I did have a team a couple of days ago that did have Trent Alexander-Arnold in and I've, and I've changed it so, by the start of the season. But right now, I, I think I can, with goals being a premium and getting so many more important goals what get you the most points. I've gone for goal scorers, so I needed to save money elsewhere. Um, so on that, moving into the midfield, um, I say I've this year, I'm not normally off packing midfield. I've packed midfield with basically people I think are going to score goal assists, and and you'll, there'll be another common theme who goes through the the front. In fact, let's do midfielders and forwards together here because I want to do something. So okay, my, my so my I'll go through this. My midfield and forwards are Pierre M'Kabba got penalty taker; James Ward Prowse, penalty taker; Son from Tottenham, not a penalty taker; Salah, penalty taker. Phil Foden, set-piece taker. Tino Werner, I think will be penalty taker. Mitrovic, penalty taker. Charlie Austin, penalty taker. So I've gone for people who I think that if they're on the pitch, excluding Son, um, because Harry Kane will play, that there will be set-pieces and there'll be penalty takers. I also think that we have seen... You know, Pierre and Pierre and Mo Salah have been up there with uh, Jamie Vardy as the top goal scorers the last few years, and and Sergio Aguero. Um, and I think with you getting additional points from midfielders scoring goals than it being a forward scoring goals, it's only one extra point. It's five points for midfielders scoring. It's four points for for a forward scoring. The, the, that's where you need to to make hay. So that's why I've pa- I've packed that midfield. Um, and then up front I've gone for, for Timo Werner because I think they wouldn't invest all that money if they weren't going to build around him and he wouldn't be the first person they bought. Mitrovic, we know can score goals in the Premier League. Fulham might struggle um defensively, but the, which means they'll therefore have to score goals. And if they're going to score goals, it's going to be Mitrovic. And Charlie Austin is a bit of a bit of a punk, 'cause cause himself and Robson Carnu actually sort of split game time 50-50. Last year in the in the promotion race for promotion uh, ceiling season for for West Brom, but I, I I think Charlie Austin whenever he has played football and managed to avoid injury, which has been an issue of his, he has scored goals in the Premier League. He has scored goals. He's actually a, he is a goal scorer, so he has more experience in the Premier League and scoring more goals than, than Hal Robson Carney. So I've Again, I'm taking a bit of a stab in the dark. I'm taking a little bit of a gamble. But in my mind, I'm thinking Charlie Austin gets the nod because of the goal-scoring prowess and and probably a little bit more Premier League experience than, than Robson Karnin.
1: Yeah, I like where your head's at there. I think you've made some pretty smart business. Um, I've gone about a wee bit differently. and I just, for a start, for my midfielders, and I guess maybe I didn't take into account the, the extra point for a goal. That midfielders get, but I kind of want more people that are going to create loads of chances and really be involved with scoring goals, but also creating goals as well. And you kind of think of the, if, if their team are going to score, they're going to be at the heart of it. And my, I, this is, I've had to have a bit of a swerve, as I mentioned, with the lack of Man U and Man City playing. But my kind of first one was I wanted either I wanted Kevin De Bruyne in there because of the amount of assists that he created. And then I thought that's a lot of money for a player who's going to create assists. When we saw last year, Bruno Fernandes come in and probably have the ha- same amount of assists as he had in the second half of the season, and with a full season underneath him, could potentially be up there at the top as well. And as you said, is a penalty taker and a free kick taker, and is going to be at the heart of everything Man United has done. So I changed my mind; I went for Bruno Fernandes rather than Kevin De Bruyne because he was he was ten point ten point five and eleven point five, and then I realised that I had not a full teams full set of players playing, and that's a lot of money to be playing for someone not to be involved with the first round of matches. So I've taken Bruno Fernandez out again, and I have put Son in, but only as a holding for the first week. On the knowledge that at the end of the first week, I'm going to take Son out and bring Bruno Fernandez back in. And, and I, Ali's just shown me he's got 1.5 million in the bank, as I do, waiting to bring Bruno Fernandes in at the end of the first week.
0: I- <laughs> That was i I'm going to do exact. I was waiting for you to tell me your spiel about your midfield and forwards, and I was debating whether I was going to be truly honest and tell you that Son was going to come out and Bruno Fernandes was going to come in. But as I've showed Roy, I've done exactly. I plan to do exactly the same
1: thing. <laughs> so I think we're on a, both on a wavelength there because I was looking and for that 10.5 million mark, there wasn't really anyone else, and you had to go up to the kind of 12 millions with the Abamangs and the Mane's, et etc. Um, which I decided wasn't the value for money. Now, you might tell me I'm wrong, but I decided it wasn't. And I thought, there's a lot of players who are worth a lot less, but are going to be involved in creating a lot of things for their side. So another obvious example of that is Jack Grealish, who I've got on my team and was one of my first picks. He's only 7 million for midfielder, but created the second most chances in the league last year out of any player. Now you've got to say that he's got other players around him to finish off those chances, and of course that will hamper him to an extent. But I still think he'll score a lot of points for the seven million you're playing for him. Next one of my other kind of biggest spender um in my midfield, a bit of a punt, is Kai Herbert's, Obviously Chelsea's new siding from Bayern Leverkusen. Now we've seen him score a lot of goals and put a lot of assists in the Bundesliga and been a very good player and one of maybe the most sought-after players in European football at the moment. Now, obviously, we'll have to see how he settles into the league, how he fits into that team, because he's played in pretty advanced positions for Bayern Leverkusen, kind of in behind or even as kind of a leading leading the line. as like a false nine. And whether he'll get that licence to play that fourth fortune Chelsea, it seems unsure, especially with Timo Werner and Tammy Abraham. When he comes into the team, they're going to be kind of the, the focal point of that attack. And obviously Giroud as well is such a great end to last season. So he might be playing a bit further back. So he might not get the same opportunities at Chelsea, but I think he's such a talented player and will be a good player for that Chelsea team. So I've taken a punt on him and I accept that as a punt. And then for my last two, I've gone for lower value players. That I think will still contribute. So I've gone for Aman Traore from Wolves, who had a brilliant season for Wolves last season and scores a lot of goals, makes a lot of assists in that Wolves team. And I think it'll be an important player. The one value is that he does often retreat with Jota. So again, he might not get the same minutes as as other players might do in that position. And I kind of was battling between the two of them because they rotate quite a lot for Wolves. But I went for him, again, being 6.5 million. I thought that was good value for money. And then my last one's kind of a bench player who I think will still contribute and make good points. So for 5 million, I've got for Danny Cabayos for Arsenal, who i just obviously just gone back on loan. I just feel like that's a bit of a steal. I just feel like, given how good he was in the back part of the season, and I think that Arteta really likes him and, and will build that midfield around him, and I think that he could well be a, a very valuable player for us this year and be involved in a lot of stuff they do going forward. So I think for 5 million you're getting good value for money there. And I think that's kind of the, the the team, the kind of maybe the tactic I've got for my team is what value you can get for the money you spend on players. So moving on to my front, I think So I went for Mitrovic as well for that exact same reason, that for £6 million, you're getting a proven Premier League striker who was the top scorer in the Championship last year. And he said, takes penalties and will be the focal point of that Fulham team. Now, obviously, the worry is, will they score enough goals as a team Fulham? You'll have to wait and see. But I also think that if they are going to score, it's probably going to be Mitrovic that scores. So you're taking a bit of a pun, but for £6 I think that's worth it. And then, I also think someone who's very much... Undervalued as Danny Ings at eight point five million. Obviously, Danny Ings was scored twenty goals last season. Was in was in the race for top for leading goal scorer for the majority of the season, and had a brilliant season. And and he's obviously just played for England. And he looks like he's going from strength to strength as a footballer. And I think that he's going to continue that form. And I thought for eight point five million, that was that was very worthwhile investment. And then to finish it off, I couldn't build the fantasy football team without reuniting myself with my beloved Jamie Vardy. I mentioned at the top, I returned to fantasy football and won for the first time this season, Leicester won. And that was simply from the fact that I was, I was going to say amazing and, and, you know, visionary in, in doing so by having Jamie Vardy in from the first game of the season. Um, but... Tongue in cheek aside, Jamie Vardy was the reason I won fantasy football that year because I did get him in from the first game of the season and he was so prolific and has gone off to be so prolific since. I just felt that it'd be wrong of me to to build my team without without bringing Jamie Vardy back into it.
0: Yeah. I, I meant to say as well when I picked Timo Werner, I couldn't not pick him being a Red Bull a like, super fan <laughs> like, that, 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 that I am. Um, but no, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, normally, as I said, I would pack my front three, they'd be the first people I would pick. I'd go, you know, Aguero, Kane, and then probably this is like a Mitrovic packet and then and then work backwards. But there's 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 definitely different ways to see it. And this is the beauty of it. Hopefully people out there will will have different tactics. Maybe they'll think one of us have made sense and and, and Nicholas. But I think this year the, the the raft of players you can pick from is is, is a great is a much greater pool than I can than, than I can remember and there's always that there's always one or two players who, who come out of the blocks the first couple of weeks that you just you don't see coming. I'm, I'm hoping that's Charlie Austin. You know, last mm-hmm. year it was um, Puke from from Norwich who, who scored I think six goals in his first five games or something. And...
1: I think doing an Amy Ozaki is what it's called. Yeah. he did it for Wigan all those years hey. ago, then disappeared off the edge of the cliff very quickly. I think you always get one or two of them. Exactly.
0: So it's taking a punt on on who that is. And and for me, um, you know, that's that's uh, that's Charlie Austin and. And and for you that sounds like it's maybe not so much. But Danny Ings, you know, and then and then, is it more important to get creative players? You might get assists, which get less points, but are probably more predictable from the midfield. Although you get more goals, but it doesn't help. You know, it's the, this is the way you need to start thinking. So all you managers out there, we look forward to you joining us and uh, and, jo- and and joining our league. If you want to do so, uh, you simply, as you say, go either to the app or onto the website. Uh, it's just fa- the official fantasy football for the Premier League. Uh, you go on Join join a League. It'll ask you for the league code. And the league code is as follows. P-O-3-4-2-Z. So that's the league code. So you just enter that and you can join. Uh, or also, or you can go to our social media platforms. We'll, we will be sending out links. You can join there. So we look forward to seeing you joining us. And, uh, and no doubt during the course of the season, we'll have regular updates as we go. return to season three of the podcast. Uh, but until then, we uh, we look forward to the return of the Premier League and we look look forward to the return of the Utility Players podcast in the coming weeks. Thank you very much and stay safe.